Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Barry. You are listening to episode 35. And if you want my show notes, as always, we're going to go to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP035. Again, if you want today's show notes, please go to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP035. And on today's episode, I actually have a special gift for you guys. So if you want a great infographic on what we're going to be talking about on today's episode, which is sickle cell disease and the pain of sickle cell disease, please text the word sickle cell, which is S-I-C-K-L-E-C-E-L-L to 44222. Again, you're going to text the word sickle cells to sickle cell, I'm sorry, to S-I-C-K-L-E-C-E-L-L to four four two two two. So you're gonna text those two words to that number and I'm gonna send you my graphic on sickle cell disease. You're gonna get some fun facts and figures and uh, be able to kind of follow along with what's going on on today's episode. So let's take some time and learn about sickle cell disease today. So as we get the month of September started, I think it's uh, only right that we start out with sickle cell awareness because again, it is sickle cell awareness month And it's something that I look forward to every year, only because of the patient population I tend to deal with, uh, being, you know, majority African-American, especially when I was in my outpatient practice. uh, It was always a question that would come up, maybe one out of every 10 patients. They wanted to know, you know, how to treat sickle cell disease, um, how to diagnose sickle cell disease, what they can do to prevent it. And these are just very common questions that we get all the time especially from the population I dealt with. So, you know, when I when September comes around, you know, I definitely look forward to being able to educate the masses uh, on sickle cell disease. Because, again, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a disease that's prevalent as much as what you would think about when we talk about diabetes, when we talk about hypertension, when we talk about high cholesterol or even obesity. This is a disorder that really affects a population that's such an more alarming rate that you almost have to focus on it, right? And, you know, for, you know, those who've been following the podcast, you know, especially when there's a disorder that tends to affect African-American, you know, men and women at a lot higher rate uh, than other groups, I am more particularly interested in wanting to talk about it. Why? Because, again, of course, if you can see the uh, podcast artwork, I am African-American, right? So, you know, I want to make sure... If this is something that could probably affect me, I want to know a little bit more about it. So I'm going to be talking about sickle cell disease today. We're going to be talking about some signs and symptoms of patients who deal with sickle cell disease. Give you some uh, common cold hard facts, uh, which is always good to know. Uh, some complications associated with sickle cell disease and some treatment disorder. Uh, but I think, especially when we go with the theme of, you know, the title of this episode, The Pain of Sickle Cell Disease, I want to kind of touch uh, touch on that aspect definitely more importantly. So, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll hit these high points, but we'll definitely focus at the end, you know, the, the highlight of what it means to, you know, to have sickle cell disease and to deal with 
the pain, right? And when I say pain, I don't mean just the, you know, the physical pain that patients with sickle cell disease face on um, sometimes a daily chronic basis, but even uh, the mental stigma kind of associated with sickle cell disease for patients who are in the hospitals or in the outpatient offices, right? So it's definitely something, um, you know, that I want to, you know, kind of keep an eye on uh, because of it, because it's definitely something that going from inpatient to outpatient medicine uh, is definitely something that I'm seeing a, a lot more of in that regards. And then when I went back to inpatient medicine, you know, I went and I had residency. Residency was pretty much all inpatient. Uh, my attending, especially when I first came out, was all outpatient pretty much. And now I'm back full swing, almost full circle uh, in inpatient medicine again. So I'm again, I'm starting to see those same characteristics of things that, you know, I don't like. And, you know, something that I want to make sure that we kind of educate our health professionals as well when dealing with patients with sickle cell disease. And, you know, why not this month, right? Because, again, this Sickle Cell Disease Awareness Month was actually started in 1983, right? So in 1983, they started wanting to highlight what it meant to have sickle cell disease. And they wanted to educate not only the health professionals, but they wanted to educate the masses as well in learning and understanding how to deal with sickle cell disease. Because I can tell you back then, not even if I say back then, again, 20, 25 years ago, your life expectancy for patients with sickle cell disease was about 30 years old. So 30 years old was life expectancy for someone who was diagnosed with, with sickle cell disease. And, you know, fortunately, time and technology and modern medicine has kind of, you know, sped up uh, and kind of helped with that process. So now uh, the average life expectancy is between 55 to 65 years old. Uh, which, again, is, is definitely much more, much higher uh, than uh, what it used to be 20 years ago, right? So when we think about that. So when we talk about sickle cell disease and we talk about what it, what that even means, uh, we have to know what's the norm, right? Because, again, it's very difficult to talk about disease if you don't know what the actual normal is, right? And when we talk about what a sickle cell is, right, versus what a normal cell, right? And when we talk about cells, we're talking about red blood cells, right? Our red blood cells... Their job is to carry oxygen, right, in our blood, you know, from to and fro, from point A to point Z. But what happens, especially with your patients with um, sickle cell disease, is that that cell is a different shape. And because of the different shape of that cell, it's not able to function like your regular normal red blood cell. Your normal regular blood cell may be able to hold, let's say, capacity of I will break it up into fours. Let's say four. So four quarters, right? So uh, your regular blood cell can hold four quarters worth of oxygen, whereas your sickle cell may only be able to hold one quarter of your oxygen, right? Just to, so we can get nice, clean math numbers, right? So we can kind of start understanding what this means from a, a problem standpoint. And then what occurs is that because it's only able to hold, you know, one fourth, right? One fourth of the amount of oxygen that the regular blood cells uh, is can hold, you become very weak. You become very tired. And uh, fatigue is a very common symptom uh, associated with sickle cell disease, right? In this country, sickle cell disease is the most common genetic disorder. Right. Let's think about that. Right. So from uh, in the United States and uh, for the numbers who are affected, right, the sickle cell disease affects about 90 to 100 thousand people. 
of about 60 to 80, just depending on where you're looking at, 60 to 80 percent of those are being African-American. And, you know, those numbers are, you know, startling and, you know, troubling. And uh, when they break it down, they say that one out of every five, 500, right, one out of every 500 African-Americans has the trait or the disease. And one out of 36,000 Hispanic Americans has the trait or disease, right? So again, just to kind of show you just how much of a severity is, right, of when it goes from one group to the next, right? Just so, and, and those things kind of tell two points, right? It says that, those things tell us two points, right? It says that sickle cell disease is not just a disease of African Americans, right? So that's one thing it tells us. But it also says that, you know, most likely if you're reading a textbook, and I can tell you, especially from a medical standpoint, a lot of those questions, you know, when we when it starts, you know, curtailing and pointing to sickle cell disease, most likely they're going to include an African-American subject. But like because of that, right, the, the majority of your disorder and your complications are going to only affect that certain population, right? So again, that's going to always, you know, raise my antenna and say, you know what, I need to know a little bit more about this disorder, right? So from uh, the sickle disease, right, the sickle cell disease, right, we talked about this cell that's already abnormal. It goes from being able to carry four quarters of oxygen to only one quarter of oxygen. That being said, when that occurs, right, it, it's carrying less oxygen, so your body has less oxygen to occur, so you're more tired, you're more fatigued. And these cells, uh, unfortunately, don't even last as long, right? So the normal red blood cell lasts about 90 to 120 days in the body. One cell, 90 to 120 days. But your sickle cell patients, their sickle cell, like that blood cell that's sickling, only lasts about 10 to 20 days, right? So up to three weeks is all you can get with one cell who's um, sickle versus a person who's normal. So what that occurs is that what happens is that that makes your body have to produce so much more cells to try to keep up with the demand. Because again, we already have one cell that's carrying 25% of what the normal a cell is from an oxygen level standpoint. So your your body's spitting out red blood cells, spitting out more red blood cells to try to keep up and compensate. But now it has to compensate for the fact that not only is it putting out all of these irregular blood cells, but it's also putting ones that die quicker too. So it's gonna keep having to have a replenish, replenish, replenish until you know it can't no more. So that again, that's where you know, our patients, especially when we talk about sickle cell anemia, like that's where the anemia actually comes in, right? Because your body just cannot keep up with the demand of having to produce more bad cells. And because it does that, boom, you're, you're, the problems arise. Um, some of the common complications associated uh, with sickle cell disease, and the most common that you may know of is the pain episode, right? Or the sickle crisis. And a lot of these patients either end up in the outpatient doctor's office or in the hospital, right? Because the pain is so great and uh, so unbearable that, you know, it feels like, you know, their gallbladder. It feels like the heart attack. You know, it, it's just that painful. It feels like the largest kidney stone ever. Uh, you know, it's just that painful from a pain standpoint. And you may be wondering, well, why is it so painful for your patients who 
have regular blood cells, right? You know, they they kind of move to and from the body through the vessels with no resistance whatsoever. But what occurs, especially in your patients with sickle cell disease, is that those abnormal shapes actually make it much more difficult for the, the oxygen level to kind of, you know, go from point A to point B. And that's where the, the problems arise and that's where the pain and discomfort comes in. So let's recap just real quick, right, uh, of how bad it is kind of to have sickle cell disease, right? So you have a cell, right, that is already abnormal in your regular blood cell, right? It already carries 25% uh, the amount of oxygen that your regular blood cell does, right? It already dies much, much, much sooner than your uh, average blood cell, right? Again, we're talking about three to four months to 10 to 20 days, right? So it does all that, and then after it does all that, after it has all those problems, then it causes you to have pain because it can't move anywhere. Because your body's producing so much to try to keep up that you, it doesn't do anywhere. It gets, it's almost, think about it like your, 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 your plumbing getting clogged, right? So it actually clogs the, plum, the plumbing down, and though that area where blood flow was supposed to go but doesn't, and a lot of times it's the muscle, um, you know, that's where, you know, the pain and discomfort comes in and then you end up in the hospital. Uh, infection is very common. Patients who suffer from sickle cell disease are going to be more likely to be affected by infection uh, than a per- person who does not um, have sickle cell disease. Patients with sickle cell disease also are more likely to cover. Um, patients with sickle cell disease also are more likely to suffer from stroke. And, you know, that again, if you think about that premise when we talked about the pain crisis, where you have areas of the body where, you know, blood flow is not getting to because it's stuck and it, it just can't get to. Again, you have that same scenario where someone's having a stroke where you're a 25, 30, 35 year old person. And now you have a stroke because of uh, the sickle disease. Right. So when I talked about how 20 years ago, right, you know, your sickle patients were living you know, past the age of 35, this is some of the reasons why. Like, they were getting much more infections. They were uh, Their pain episodes were much more frequent. And then they were having strokes, right? So there was a lot of different risk factors, again, all associated with the sickle cell disease, but also a very poignant, um, you know, uh, underlying theme of why, uh, you know, they die when they die. And some other complications associated include, you know, some early eye disease, um, some uh, chest syndromes, pre-apremen, uh, pre-aprism. And if, if you want to think about what pre-aprism is, uh, when you've seen the Geico commercials that say if your erection has lasted longer than four hours, seek medical help. That's what pre-aprism is, right? Because again. It has to do with blood flow being able to get to one place, but not being able to escape out. And, you know, for those who know who, uh, from a you know, anatomy standpoint, to get an erection, you got to get increased blood flow. So you may be able to get increased blood flow. But the problem is, is that now that blood flow that needs to decrease and go away, it can't because those cells are stuck. So that's something again to think about when we talk about, you know, the, a, a, a regular complication uh, from sickle cell disease. Um, quite often than not, your sickle patients will have no spleen. 
And the reason why they won't have no spleen is because the spleen's job, for what a lot of people don't do, it's a, actually a big defense mechanism. And the spleen's job is to, you know, break down and, let's say eat, we'll just say eat, right? Break down and eat all of those bad cells that aren't supposed to be there. Or, you know, there's something defective by it, right? Uh, when you think about the spleen, think of it like almost like a, you know, a secondary press that kind of like looks over to make sure the first one did everything right. The problem with that, right, in your sickle patients, every single one of your cells is abnormal. So every single one of your cells is abnormal and your spleen is spending all of this time as a child trying to clean it up, trying to clean it up, trying to clean it up. And it gets to a point where it can't. Uh, where it gets so enlarged, so big, because, uh, you know, the backup in the spleen is that you have all of these cells uh, that are abnormal, and the spleen is trying to catch all of them and hold all of them, that it, it eventually uh, causes the spleen to extremely get bigger, but then just shrink from death, right? Like, so it actually shrinks from death uh, because there's uh, no blood supply, no blood flow kind of going to it. So definitely a complication to think about, and... Uh, especially for uh, the kids who have sickle cell disease, because again, it is a chronic genetic disease that you know you get from both your parents. So the kids who have uh, genetic disease or sickle cell disease, by the time they get older, it is not out of the ordinary for them just not to have the spleen or have an extremely small spleen, which pretty much essentially is nothing in that regards. When we talk about going to segue into the treatment. Treatment plan. There's a few treatment plans associated with sickle cell disease. Uh, a part of it is, you know, the management of the big complications, right? Including, you know, the pain episodes, the infections, the strokes. So, uh, majority of your and so the majority of your treatment plan is just making sure that they um, you are addressing those issues. Number one, you're making sure that your patients are actually going to get their vaccinations, right? Because as a sickle patient, I already told you that you're more likely uh, to have an infection than a person who does have sickle cell disease. So, you know, to add, you know, you know, salt to the wound, then you don't get your normal immunizations. And then you end up getting sick off of the flu or end up getting sick off of pneumonia, something that uh, we try to prevent. Again, not to say that we can prevent it with if you take vaccines, but it usually makes uh, the severity a little bit shorter um, than not, right? And there's medications in particular, hydroxyurea is the most popular one uh, for patients with sickle cell disease. And its job, again, is to really try to make it so that you don't go into as many crisis, uh, pain crisis, um, than you need to, right? So that's where, you know, that comes and plays uh, its biggest role. In that regards. And and honestly, again, you know, just being very, very well hydrated because your sickle patients um, always go into this uh, acute pain syndrome where you're, whenever they're not getting fluid. And I can tell you from a hospital standpoint, one of the, the primary things we have to do, especially for any patient who is suffering from sickle cell disease, is make sure um, they have pain control and make sure they're drinking plenty of fluid, plenty of fluid, because that's where the bread and butter comes in at. That's where, you know, the treatment plans comes in at. That's where you can avoid your patients going to see you in the hospital, right? Because you're doing everything you can to want to try to prevent these preventable, um, you know, issues, including 
And on one hand, you work on trying to prevent a lot of these acute pain crises uh, that occur. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they still get a pain crisis, right? Because, again, you could be doing everything. You could be drinking gallons of water, taking your medications. You could still possibly get a uh, infection and you could still, you know, have a crisis, right? So, again, that doesn't necessarily negate everything that you've done, but it's just a point to understand that because of all of the complications that we know are associated with sickle cell disease, that we always strongly recommend taking care of these businesses first uh, before kind of moving on. So I want to, and again, I was, that's kind of like the end of a nice little overview of sickle cell disease, but I really wanted to kind of tap into, you know, the aspect of the pain of your sickle patient, right? And the reason why I said is that, you know, I'm a, I'm a hospital medicine physician now and, you know, I'm seeing patients pretty much in the hospital setting. And, you know, every now and then we do get a sickle cell patient um, who comes in who's in crisis. And I think for, you know, unless your your head has been in the sand, um, you understand that a lot of the epidemic that we're dealing with, especially from a drug standpoint, is, you know, physician related, right? A lot of it you know, happens to deal with physicians, you know, dealing with pain in a certain way and, you know, making sure that they get high marks on a survey uh, so the insurance companies don't, you know, dock them for pay or something. And the goal, right, a goal of those surveys was always to try to make sure, you know, you did better. And what's happened is that because you had to do better, um, you had to treat the pain, right? You had to treat all of this pain. And what I've noticed is that for patients who you know, who are chronic pain uh, patients, they tend to seem to get a little bit more leeway than your sickle patients, right? And remember, I talked about your sickle cell patients usually being on the young side um, because, again, it is a chronic disease. Both your parents um, usually have to have the trait for you to get it. So because of that aspect of it, right, you know, we're getting a lot of patients who, you know, are in pain, but you may not physically be able to see the pain, right? And I think this is what's something that was brought up when we talk about this, the opioid epidemic, right? Again, even though we're not talking about opioid epidemic on this episode, maybe we should, and I think we'll probably leave that to another episode. So we're talking about, you know, the sickle cell disease, and we're talking about this pain. And uh, what tends to happen is from a healthcare standpoint, we try to objectify what pain really means. And for patients who, you know, who are sickle and they've been in a hospital and the doctor's always telling them what the hemoglobin is, the doctor's always telling them what their reticulocyte count is, because those are markers that we can follow and particularly to see, hey, are you having a crisis? And, you know, do you need immediate intervention? So that's something that, you know, to from a background standpoint to kind of understand, show you why, right, we deal with their pain. Uh, but what happens, right, unfortunately for your civil patients is that their pain tends to get downplayed. So their pain tends to get downplayed, one, because they don't, they may not necessarily look in pain. And the reason why I say that is because your sickle patients have such an, such a high tolerance for pain and pain medication and pain control that the normal standard, you know, pain medications used to giving may not be enough. And for a lot of physicians, their, you know, radar goes up when that occurs, right? So even if they know the patient has, you know, sickle cell disease, right, for some reason, right, 
at the at the corner of their eye, you know, they, they wonder, you know, is this person faking right? Now I'm gonna tell you this right now, right? I was a medical resident, uh, I think it was either my second or third year, when I had a patient, and this was this probably the the saddest case in this person's life, right? Who actually f- lied. Who actually lied about having sickle cell disease. And the reason why she lied is because again for your patients who have sickle cell disease, they have crisis. A lot of times they require opioid medications from a treatment standpoint. So, you know, she wanted, you know, someone to say that she had sickle cell disease and she wanted to be treated like it. But what tends to occur is, and I talked about, you know, those markers, right? Um, for some of the, one of the patients, uh, one, I'm sorry, one of the residents got so upset, right, with uh, the patient because she had become very demanding. And this may have been like her third or fourth or fifth or sixth, you know, visit uh, to our ER. Uh, they finally said, you know, what? I'm going to check to actually see if you actually have it. So they ran this genetic screening on her, which takes forever to come back. And it was found that she did not actually have sickle cell disease. She had the trait. Now, for those who had the trait, you know, I will point out that Yes, you can experience some muscle cramps and pain at times, but it's nowhere near the amount of pain and discomfort that you're getting uh, if you actually have the disease, right? So just to make sure, you know, you know, for my you know patients and listeners who may have sickle cell trait and, you know, almost feel shunned because they feel like, hey, if I have trait, I shouldn't have pain. It's not uncommon for you to have pain. Again, it's not uncommon for you to have any, you know, vague complaints whatsoever in that regard, right? So that's where that comes in at. Uh, in in terms of the the treatment aspect. Now, when we go from you know trying to treat uh, the pain versus treat the patient, um, I think as and again I can only speak you know from the physician standpoint, right? Is that when we're dealing with our patients, when we're dealing with our patients with sickle cell disease, we have to be very mindful. They, you know, they are, they're not going to experience pain the way we experience pain. These are kids and adults who've been dealing with chronic pain all their life. You know, since the second they were born, uh, they were dealing with uh, sickle cell disease, right? So they've been dealing with pain all their life. So yes, you may be used to giving a certain pain regimen, uh, but as the physician, we have to be able to understand that, you know what, I understand this, but this isn't regular pain. You know, this is a pain that, you know, I may not be able to see on the blood test, yay or nay, whether she's in pain, but your best bet in scenario is that they are, right? And again, when we talk about, you know, your your civil patients, the best bet is to think about all of your patients with sickle cell disease. If, you know, if you don't get them there, you know, immunizations, or if you don't keep them healthy, they will go into crisis, right? And those crises can sometimes last two to four or five days, right? Just dealing with an acute crisis of pain in a person with sickle cell disease. So it's definitely something that is very um, uh, telling and it's definitely something that I always feel that, you know, we should be very mindful of because it does it does happen way more often than not. And what I've been finding having to teach the, my medical residents is that, yes, they have pain. Yes, they... They're, they may look comfortable, but we have to understand that, you know, they tend to know a little bit more, more about pain than we do. So, it, you know, you do not have to, you know, you know hold the trigger and uh, be concerned and cautious 
because they tend to be asking for more pain. So that's not so that's something I definitely want to make sure you know we reach out to our uh, medical students and even residents um, who are following and understanding that in your sickle patients, you know you're allowed to have pain and you're allowed to be as comfortable as you want while you're having as much pain as you want, right? Like you you don't you don't have to pick and choose and be miserable while also feeling miserable. Like you can be miserable and say, you know what. Uh, I'm going to deal with this pain today or you know what? I'm going to go to the hospital, right? Because neither choice is a bad choice. But I would understand, especially if you're a sickle patient, right? Or you grew up a sickle patient and you understand that the stigma that comes behind having sickle cell disease automatically jumps you to drug seeker, drug seeker, drug seeker. And that's something I want to make sure, you know, the the residents of my program understand and know that, for a lot of times, you know, they're just not actively having their pain controlled and they're okay and understand that they're going to have pain and it's probably not going to go away. But when it's out of the ordinary, I think, you know, we as physicians have to do a better job at recognizing it and we have to do a better job at, you know, getting to that point of attack uh, where, you know, the person or the patient feels comfortable telling you uh, this is what's going on. What do you want to do? So again, that is that wraps up you know episode thirty five of the Lunch and Learn. Uh, for those who want the show notes, again go to drpiersblog.com forward slash llp zero three five. If you want a nice cool graphic on sickle cell disease, please text sickle cell all one word to four four two two two. Again, if you want uh, you know a nice little infographic on some facts and figures with sickle cell disease. Please text uh, sickle cell all in one word to 44222. Again, sickle cell is S I C K L E C E L L. So, you guys have a great evening, morning, day, whenever you happen to be listening to this. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. want to say thanks again for all that you guys do and all your support and all of your listens. So I want you to kind of keep on keeping on with going ahead and sharing today's episode. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you're not already subscribed to the podcast. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at the same name, Lunch learn pod and uh, go to the website again lunchlearnpod.com for all of the episodes if you've missed one and again i'm at all of the favorite podcast apps google play stitcher soundcloud and of course apple podcast where i would love a five-star review and and tell me what you think about today's episode i would love to hear it so i'll see you guys next week bye